The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii, Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Greetings in the sweet name of Jesus. I'm Head Pastor Billy Han Jr. And I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We'd like to welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, Channel 13, San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC, Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV, Channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28, in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, Channel 11, in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable Channel 1519, in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV, Channel 15.3, and Comcast Channel 238, in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Christian telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign of the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon. A landmark in Cali for 100 years, and a prayer tall, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. To start off today's program, the church choir under the direction of Emilia Hahn will give praise to the Savior by singing the spirit-inspiring song, Somebody's Knocking at Your Door. Yes, saints and friends, the Lord is knocking at the door to your heart today. Won't you let the Savior in and accept Him as your personal Savior, Master, and Lord? For today is the day of salvation, if you will but hear his voice. Mm -hmm. 
Somebody's knocking at your door. Somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Perhaps, like Jesus, somebody's knocking at your door. Perhaps, like Jesus, somebody's knocking at your door. Somebody's knocking at your door. Somebody's knocking at your door. Thank you. 
the church band under my direction will play the song when the spirit moves you as we let the lord have his way in our daily lives it is the holy spirit that inspires and moves us to do his blessed will the lord is the strength of our lives and it is a comfort to know that he is only a prayer away song, God will take care of you. Our Lord and Savior is there to shelter us beneath the shadow of His wings when the tests and trials come our way. He is there to keep us safe in the hollow of His hands until the storm passes by. Yes, God will take care of you through every day and over all the way. Sweet. 
church choir will now sing their second number for the day entitled Halfway. There are no halfway commitments in the gospel work. The Lord set the example of showing his total commitment to the world when he gave his life a sacrifice so that we all may have the promise of eternal life. In turn, he requires our full devotion as we serve him with our whole hearts, mind, and soul. Please follow along and sing with the choir as you see the words on your screen.
gave his life a sacrifice to save me from the fall.
Puni will use her God-given talents and play a sectional, selection on her auto harp entitled, All I Need. The power of the Lord has no limits when we put our faith, hope, and trust in His hands. Jesus is all we need in our daily lives. vocal group today is the Daughters of Judah, who will blend their voices in sweet harmony to the delightful song, Jerusalem. Persistence includes standing fast, having faith to press on, and praying without ceasing. We will surely reach the ultimate goal to be with the Lord and Savior in the new Jerusalem, where we serve Him with unstoppable persistence. At this time, it gives me great pleasure to dedicate this number to Herman and Paula Coco and family. May the Lord continue to pour forth His bountiful blessings and keep you all in the safe in the hollow of His sweet hands. Have a beautiful Sunday.
could not be hid. John saw a city. Oh yes, he did. John caught a glimpse of the golden throne. Tell me all about it. Go right on around the throne. He saw the crystal sea. There's got to be more. What will it be? I want to go to the city he saw, New Jerusalem. Jerusalem, I want to walk your streets that are golden. And I want to run where the angels have tried. see night, the Lamb of God will must be the light. He saw the saints worship the great I am, crying worthy, worthy is the Lamb. I want to go to the city he saw, New Jerusalem. streets that are golden, and I want to run where the angels have trod. Jerusalem, I want to rest on the banks of your river, in that city, city of
Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time, stations, and location in the continental United States for a viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California. These telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Char Charter Cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV Channel 15.3 and Comcast Channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you would like to know more about gospel work and view a Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, Services are held daily at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. as prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At Okamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Wednesday evenings only at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloi in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Waiasano Sr. in Kaloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Esper in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Esper in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui branch church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You are welcome to attend these services, regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donation to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program to head pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy. Thank you, Melvin. To be a member in the family of Jesus TV viewers requires you living a tough lifestyle. There are many in the world and in our country for that matter who do not appreciate this lifestyle. It is too restrictive or too limiting they maintain because it seeks to exclude sin and make it repulsive. 
whether we like it or not, this is the way the Lord would have it. I hope my sermon, The Judgment Seat of Christ, will make a special and significant impact upon you so that in spite of its toughness, you will choose to live the lifestyle of Jesus, beginning with your being baptized in His precious holy name, if you have not yet met this requirement. If you have, however, then you can take this sermon to heart and let it make a difference in your life as a member of God's family. Men have been born into this world and gained worldwide fame. The world knows about Caesar, Napoleon, Alexander the Great. They know of Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. They know of George Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln. But no man in this world has ever been more widely known as Jesus Christ. Reading Matthew 4, 23-24, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and healing all men of sickness and all men of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. He was born in the little town of Bethlehem. He was raised up in a carpenter's home in Galilee. He never traveled more than 100 miles from home. He never rode in an automobile or appeared on a TV telecast. Yet, God had made his name the most famous name of all ages. It is a fact that he has given himself a name above every name, as we read in Philippians 2, 9-11, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. The bowing of knees had not yet come to pass, but it will surely happen when Jesus comes again to rule and reign on this earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Today we find that people of every color, nationality, and creed have never acknowledged Him as the Son of God, nor trusted Him as their Savior, Master, and Lord. We find in the Word of God that He was the centerpiece of conversation among His relatives, Pharisees, and people of all walks of life. Of course, not all of the talk was complimentary, but at least He commanded their attention. He couldn't be ignored or pushed aside. Many say, I don't need Jesus. Oh yes, a great surprise is awaiting for many men. They leave Jesus out of their lives, but one day soon they must face Jesus at the judgment bar. They will find Jesus waiting for them at the great white throne which, before which unbelievers will appear. All children and Christians will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. We find Jesus walked in Galilee, but would not walk in Jewish country because the Jews wanted to kill him. Today, that seems very strange to us, doesn't it? Here is one who could do for them all they needed or desired, yet they wanted to kill him. He was the truth, the life, and the resurrection. He was the truth of God, but they rejected and crucified him. The many who did not want to hear the truth sought to kill the man, Christ Jesus, who bought it. Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacle was at hand. This was the grand harvest festival of the year, the time when the people gathered to thank God for their material blessings. It was the most joyous feast of the year, which lasted eight days. In order to understand the meaning of this feast, we must go into the Old Testament and review Jewish history. When the children of Israel left Egypt after years of bondage and slavery, it took them 40 years to reach the Promised Land. During that time, they lived in tents or tabernacles. When they were set on the Promised Land, God told them that once each year, they should leave their homes and live for seven days in the tabernacles. This was to remind them of how they had lived during their journey to the Promised Land. On the eighth day, they were to leave their tabernacles and return to their homes. Thus, they commemorated the way in which God delivered them out of the wilderness and settled them in the Promised Land. Multitudes of people gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast as they had done for a number of years. 
Now the relatives of Jesus had something to say to him as you read in John 7, 3 to 5. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that the disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. And isn't that the fact today? What they were actually saying was, it makes no sense for you to waste time on little villages in the countryside. Go to the big city. Let them see what you can do. Consequently, your fame will spread and great honors will come to you. Of course, deep down in their hearts, they wanted this to happen as relatives because then they would share in the glory, honor, and rewards. This is a natural thing, and it often happens today. These people did not believe in Christ as the Son of God, even though they were related to Jesus. They saw things only from a material standpoint. We find many people like them today. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Thus we find many people miss the boat by looking only at the material things. What answer did Jesus give his kinfolk? Read in John 7, 6, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. In effect, he was saying it is all right for you to show yourself before the world and to quiet smiles, but my time hasn't come. He was waiting for the time when he would be lifted up on the cross, then he would draw all men unto himself. What he told his relatives is in John 7, 7, The world cannot hate you, but it hate me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. With all of this, they were still unconverted. Someone came to me one day and said, I would like to become a true born-again believer but I'm running around with a worldly crowd. If I become a born-again Christian, what would I do with them? I answered, you wouldn't have to do anything about them. They would soon desert you if you accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Let us read Luke 6, 23. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice ye that day, and leap up for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Yes, the world hated Jesus because he testified that their works were evil. If you praise a man complimenting that he is fine and wonderful, he will be your friend for life. But tell him that he is a sinner and he will hate you for it. Today, many prefer a watered-down gospel and have itching ears as you read in 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and then shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall return it into fables. Itching ears means ears that are tired of hearing the truth. Their owners long for new teachings that will make their ears tingle even if they are false. Later on, we see Jesus going to the feast in secret, as you read in John 7:10. But when his brethren were gone up, then when he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. He didn't want to go with his kinfolk because they hoped to make a spectacle of him. His intent on going was because he was the Son of God. In the Old Testament, all males were commanded to go to the feast. Jesus attended the feast in obedience to this command. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he found that he was a subject of conversation. The people were saying, where is he? Some of the people were saying he is a wonderful man, and others were saying he is an imposter. Read in John 7:13, Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. Some of the people believed in him, but they were afraid of the persecution, so they didn't speak out. 
all the charity that so many are ashamed of Jesus. Listen to Mark 8, 33. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. The question is, are you ashamed to accept Jesus because you might be persecuted and mocked and scoffed at? Paul tells us in Romans 1, 16-17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is in is the righteousness of God, revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Faith comes by hearing, and the hearing by the word of God, and by faith to faith. God uses the faith way instead of the works way. He gives His righteousness only to those who have faith, and only they can have it shown to them. Faith in the cases of salvation and righteousness is distrusting self and trusting another in this case. God, it is believing that what He says is true before we see what it is. What does salvation mean? When we refer to the dictionary, we find this definition, a saving or being saved, preservation from destruction, rescue. A man who is drowning is pulled to safety. He has experienced a type of salvation. A businessman about to lose everything is rescued to friends' assistance in the business to save. This is another type of salvation. However, the salvation which cometh from the Lord offers to the sinners his life that they might have life. Mankind who is destined to hell and eternal punishment is saved through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But few men will recognize and believe in him. However, Cornelius, an Italian of the book of Acts, chapter 10, felt an emptiness within him. He knew there was something to the God of the Jews. His fear of the Lord caused him to live a just life, acceptable God, and he prayed fervently. Suddenly, the Lord began to fill his emptiness. As you read in Acts 10, 3 to 4, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius! And when he had looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Isn't it wonderful to know that as we reach up to him in prayer, he will reach down to us and render an answer. Yes, God answered the prayers of Cornelius. God also prepared Peter, who was now filled with the Holy Ghost, to preach unto the house of Cornelius things that were commanded of God. What were these things, you might ask? Among the most important was none other than the gospel of the kingdom of God. Peter's first words amidst an inquiring multitude is listed in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Cornelius, hearing these words, believed and became the first fruits of the Gentile world. John the Beloved writes in John 3.5, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Cornelius found relief, listen to the word of God. Finally, we read in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Did not Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Now put yourself in the shoes of Cornelius, a God-fearing man, diligent in prayer and worship, and yet possessing a longing soul. The same rejoiced at the arrival of Peter, and as a result of their coming together, a miracle happened in their lives. As Peter spoke the word of the Lord, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues, and magnified God. The Jews marveled at this event, because the power of God not only rested on the Jews, but upon the Gentiles as well. And new revelations was given to Peter regarding God's plan of salvation through this experience Peter commanded them to be baptized. Reading Acts 10, 47, 48. Can any man forbid water 
that these should not be baptized, which received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Yes, without the name of Jesus in water baptism, one has not yet fulfilled all righteousness and is not saved. Like into Cornelius, I encourage every one of you in my viewing audience to follow the heaven-sent message to salvation. We see that baptism is essential to salvation, as Jesus tells us in Mark 6, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So choose you this day whom you will serve, God or the devil. The choice is yours. Remember, as Peter tells us in Acts 10, 34 to 35, then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And in the 43rd verse we read, To him, that is Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Yes, God is calling a people out of people to form his one true church. You know, viewers, you could be one of them. This gracious invitation from our Lord Jesus extended to you and your families and to the needy and the sin burden of every nationality, creed, and color. Now let's refocus upon our message. We find that Jesus quietly entered Jerusalem and walked around without being noticed. Then came the day when he went into the temple, picked up the sacred scroll, and began to teach. Reading John 7, 16, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. He also said in Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus realized the religious leaders were intent on putting him to death. The Jews listened and marveled. Here was a man who had never been to college or theological school, yet he spoke with great wisdom and knowledge of the scriptures and with great power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The Jews made some nasty remarks, and Jesus answered by saying, The word that I am relating to you didn't come from books of, or men or knowledge, but from God. Jesus continued in John 7, 17, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. The same principle applies today, viewers. If you do the will of God and try to please Him in all things, you will learn more and more of Him and His Word. The Jews had great reverence for the law of Moses. So Jesus said in verse 19, Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? The people answered, Thou hast a devil. Nobody wants to kill you. Jesus answered, You profess to keep the law of Moses, yet you are ready to break the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Next, he reproaches critics according to the law of Moses. You circumcise a child on the Sabbath day, if he then is eight days old. Yet you become angry at me for making a man every withhold on the Sabbath day. It is no different today. Mankind has always been inconsistent. People can see something wrong with the others, but not with themselves. Jesus told them, as you read verse 24, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. He continued as you read in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, judge not that he be not judged. For with what judgment he judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, 
ye shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull up the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. We are usually too critical and harsh in our judgment of others without understanding the circumstances. Now listen to the confused conversation of the people. Some of them said, as we read in John 7, 27, How be it we know this man whence he is? But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. In other words, the people contend that he is one of us, and we know him. He is not the Messiah. They expected the Messiah to come in great pomp and glory, and not as a poor Galilean. Then the people said, look at all this this man had done. Will the Messiah do more when he comes? With all these divided opinions, the Jews tried to lay hold of Jesus only to kill him. But something held him back. It must have been the hand of God. His work was not yet finished. It wasn't yet time for him to die. When he hangs on the cross, he will cry out, it is finished. God has a job for you and me. One day soon, we will come to the end of the way. Will, will we be able to say it is finished? Or are we wasting our time and energy upon the things of the world? Now we find the Pharisees were encouraged. Up to this time, they had been afraid to take Jesus because of his popularity with the people. Now that the people were expressing some doubt about him, they became bolder. They sent authorities to arrest Jesus, but when they arrived, they were afraid to touch him. Listen to what Jesus was saying in John 7, 37 to 38. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Here he was speaking of the spirit upon which they who believed on him would receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, <clears throat> because Jesus was not yet glorified. The word come is very prominent in God's word. He constantly tells and reminds us to come unto him. The shade tree says, come unto me and find shade. The table laden with food says, come unto me and eat. Thus Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, come unto me all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This gracious invitation of the Lord reached out beyond Israel to the needy and the sin burden of every nationality, creed, and color. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He gives us rest. The seventh day was a day in which God rested after the recreation which he made known to the Israel in Sinai. The Sabbath was for a sign upon Israel as was circumcision to distinguish them as God's peculiar people. The first was a spiritual sign. The second, a physical sign. Is a true born-again Christian to keep the Sabbath? The born-again believer observes Sunday, the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day, a day of worship and fellowship. The first day, the day of resurrection, has been kept almost universally by Christendom in memory of the Lord Jesus. As the Sabbath was in commemoration or in remembrance of a finished creation, so the Lord's Day Sunday commemorates a finished redemption. Therefore, there remaineth a rest to the people of God, who are born again of water and of the Spirit. For he that is entered into his rest, he also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Paul tells us in Hebrews 4:11, Let us labor, therefore, to enter that rest, lest any man fall at the same example of unbelief.
If you'd like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Blehan Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come to your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hall of His hands. The church band will end the program with a toe-tapping song entitled, Old Time Power.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.